Dark save for light being cast from the big TV screen and the imminent sunrise that's teasing the one starry sky with whispers of morning. Hey, George. Hey, Lions. How's it going? Dude, it's going good. It's, uh, it's kind of like we're just two hungry dynamites and we got this bubble fighting fun down tight. And I kid you not. That is literally what is printed on the cartridge of the game. And I saw that because I'm playing this on the virtual console, right? I don't, I don't have an original Nintendo cartridge for this. But, like, I looked up a picture of the cartridge and I saw that printed right there on the label. And I just went, <laughs> the 80s were weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this was uh, – so we played – Bubble Bobble. Bubble, right? The original Bubble Bobble, because like a lot of weird old arcade series, there's like 30 sequels to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, as as you would expect. Um, so for me, and, the, the, you know, I, I don't know if we have like more stuff to do before this, but <laughs> I, I have no nostalgia experience for this. But I am really glad that we played it because I think that there's some of this stuff in like Smash Brothers, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's what I got because I, I immediately when I saw the main character, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, and then and then started playing the game. But I was just kind of like, oh, all right, that that this this tracks. I get this, you know. Yeah, no, that that's fair. So uh, this game originally came out in 1986 in the arcade, and then it hit the Nintendo, I guess, in 1988, and then you know every other console ever made in the following 30 years. Um, my nostalgia goggles for this are very tightly locked to what I assume is the part of my brain that just fabricates memories so that I don't Mm -hmm. have to deal with the existential crisis of missing gigantic gaps of my own history. Right. Or the fact that you were grown in a vat five years ago. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, that's that's on me. That's on me. Just hey lions how's it going (laughs) um so i have an older sibling and then i have uh some much older cousins right and i remember very distinctly when we would go visit my much older cousins that we would they one of the ways they would tolerate me because i was a little kid right uh was Mm -hmm. they would like play video games with me and for some reason, that is where this memory is in my brain. <laughs> like, I can't point to any, like, clear, distinct facts that it's like, oh, yes, my cousin really loved Bubble Bobble, and that was why, or, oh, yes, because it's two-player, or, oh, r-, like, I have no other supporting evidence of any kind. I just, when I think back on this game, I think to being, like, under six, and with my, you know, my older brother and my much older cousin, so... I guess my nostalgia experience is I liked my the, my cousins. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I, I liked my cousins. I like my brother. So, like, I have a weird, vague fondness for this game. See, here's what I'm thinking is I'm thinking that that particular memory is a green screen for you for a lot of NES games. You oh, know? totally. Yeah. Where it's just kind of like you have that memory and there's just a TV and I'm imagining just a green screen. You know, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, well, Bubble Bobble or 
Super Mario Brothers or whatever, you know, like you could just project kind of any memory on there and your brain would go, yeah, that makes sense. And then just moves it down the line. I mean, I've got I've got a handful of like weird places like that where there's just detritus building up in my brain. (laughs) And uh, it's frustrating because when somebody says you've done this right. I'm like, yeah. Oh, wait, no, that's that one memory that's replicating itself in my brain. And I now have like 10 different memories of that exact same memory just because every time my brain needs to shove something, it's it's the. It's the convenient desk drawer of the memory where, you know, my brain just shoves new memories in there whenever it can just be like, yeah, we, we did this, right? That's fine. So, well, it's also, there's a, a weird kind of efficiency, right? Cause it's like your, <laughs> your memory has done pattern recognition and it's like, do you need to remember every time you sat on the living room floor and played video games or can you just remember this one time, but then remember all the different video games, right? Like yeah. that's way more efficient. Yeah. <laughs> I I I would sometimes chide people more for being disorganized if it wasn't for the fact that our brains themselves are so disorganized. I really do feel that our brain is the evolutionary equivalent of Leela being a bureaucrat, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're just kind of like sh- shove this, shove this in here. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. No, no, shove this one over here. Yeah, that's that's good. And then, you know, Hermes, right? So, like, your conscious mind comes in as Hermes and says, "What are you doing? These memories are all over the place and wrong." And it's like, "No, no, no! I just I need more places to shove things." It's like, okay, all right, just oh. everybody calm down. Okay. We're gonna get this sorted. Okay, not that one. That one's on fire. We're gonna leave that pile alone. <laughs> um, my one other piece of uh, like pseudo nostalgia goggles for this is uh, I have a friend who uh, said this is like basically her favorite game ever and that mm-hmm. she didn't have an original nintendo anymore and i was like you know you can like stream this on the internet in the internet archive you can get this on the virtual console you can go to like a barcade and that had apparently just never occurred to her <laughs> and so like because she doesn't play video games much as an adult and so she wasn't like actively seeking it out and when i kind of greased those skids i was really afraid like Oh God, is she going to like lose her job and like, <laughs> like forget to eat and sleep because I've now just told her like how accessible this drug is. But last I checked, she's fine. She's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all, everybody's fine until suddenly, you know, like you, until all of a sudden you open, open the door and then you, know, you just see that she's got like five different arcade cabinets of it. You know, and she's just like playing it all the time. Nothing like, else in the house has power except the arcade cabinets. You, you have a problem. No, I can control it. I can stop playing Bubble Bobble whenever I want. It's like, okay, then stop. Well, I don't want to, okay? I just need, I just, just, just give me a couple more quarters, man. Just a couple just, more quarters. Just a few That's more, all I need. A few, few more, man. Um, so before we jump individuals, uh, I want to give a quick shout to all the lovely people who uh, left us reviews, started following me on Twitch. A couple of people threw us a few bucks on Coffee and Patreon. Uh, all deeply, deeply appreciated. Um, do Ooh. more of those things. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitch. I'm playing the game we're going to record next time. Ooh, it's like looking into the future. It is, and possibly in the near future, hearing me swear a lot about that future. I mean, kind of swear. <laughs> I think if you were to graph our rate of swearing, the it bottoms out when we do these episodes, man. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. we're, you know, we're not... We're not going for like a G minus rating here, but you know, people have kids who yeah. listen in the car yeah. or whatever. Like so on the visuals, onward. Um, they're 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 adorable, right? These are 
truly characters that were thought out as being printed gigantic on the side of an arcade cabinet, right? And I respect and appreciate that people like kind of thought about that. They were like, we need to be able to render this tiny little dino mite on the screen, but we also need to draw it like three feet in diameter on the side of the arcade cabinet to like attract people over to play this arcade cabinet. And they're just, they're, they're cute. They're like, they're just, they're really, really cute. This was a, this was late enough in the arcades history where they could render stuff more sophisticated than uh, like Pac-Man but it was also uh, late enough that they had learned to deal with some of the limitations of the hardware and they weren't trying to do things that were obviously way beyond their current ability. So it's like, it's kind of right in that sweet spot of we can make adorable cartoons and we don't really need to push it much further than that. Right. We can make adorable cartoons, but we don't need to make, you know, like a sneaking past guards animation that looks terrible, <laughs> you know, something like that. Right. So, you know, somewhere between. That's, that's absurd. Between... Who would do such a thing? I know, right? So somewhere between Pac-Man and Solid's Metal Gear, this uh, not Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear. This that is where this this game resides. No, I, I I completely agree. The the sprites, much like the music, which we will get to, is incredibly adorable, very easily recognizable. Um, and I thought that they did a good job because whenever we whenever we play an arcade cabinet, I just I could not possibly have lower expectations. You know, like I just really try to just Zing. just. Yeah, well, I mean, because, you know, there, there's some that are really bad, you know, and I mean, and, and especially when it's a port, you know, like the, a lot of times they had to they had to cut out a lot of uh, a, a lot of the power behind it. So every time when I'm playing one, I'm like, hey, I don't actively want to claw my eyes out. I'm just kind of like that. That's a huge plus. And so I was really kind of happy with the fact that, you know, because after the first two or three levels, they all have the same enemy sprites. And I was like, okay, so this is just going to be uh, like, what? What was that one uh, game that was like the original RPG? What oh, Gauntlet. Um, crap! Gauntlet. Gauntlet. Are you thinking Gauntlet. of Gauntlet? Yeah, that, that's yeah. that is considered a very early RPG. Yeah, right. So I thought it was going to be like Gauntlet, where you know it was just pretty much like the one bad guy, and the you know kind of the whole point is to figure out ways around that. But then you know. Got some ghosties. And I was like, oh, cool, ghosties. And then got some some other sprites, you know, and they all kind of move and behaved in different ways. And 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 I really enjoyed that. So from a visual standpoint, I enjoyed the variety of visuals and also the fact that I never really had to guess the minute that you none of the sprites are easily conflated, you know? No, so, so you min- know how their behavior is gonna be just by looking. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the minute I see that sprite, I know exactly how that sprite behaves, how can I how I can expect them to move and that's how I can interact or counter their movement, you know? Um especially to the fact that when they're going to do the double time speed and this is something that we not on the show, but we we you and I and we humanity have seen in other <laughs> games where uh you know, when they get all all angry, they turn red, you know, and then that's an indicator that they're going to go twice as fast. And I know that now this all of this is pretty old hat for, you know, video games. But at the time, from when this video game came out, they had not quite nailed this down yet. You know, like there are plenty of plenty of examples where, you know, similar looking. Again, like I don't think they ever do it with like the exact same looking sprite, but similar looking sprites will behave completely differently and things like that. So the fact that it was like, no, we're going to make different sprites and they're going to behave very differently. 
and that's the visual telegraph. I appreciated that. Well, and it's a it's a consistent telegraph, right? They all mm-hmm. look different. They're all literally shaped different. You know, they more or less use similar colors because of the limited color palette, but they all look completely different. And then the one thing they change is like a solid overlay of that kind of reddy, pinky, peachy. It's not like a bright red, but it, but it's it's that right. that color. And then you know instantly like oh they're doing the the double time thing some of them have like little angry faces like their eyebrow eyebrows are like gently for but really the color is is the big giveaway right yeah that's the thing that you're going to key into for sure yeah and and i i do want to specifically mention that uh you you are absolutely right that one of the big downsides of arcade cabinets being ported to the nintendo specifically is that the nintendo specifically compared to an arcade cabinet at this time in history, it's like no contest, right? And we we have seen this with other early Nintendo games we played that had an arcade version and a Nintendo version where the port suffers some usually pretty serious graphical limitations. And this game actually did something that may be a first of the arcade ports that we've played because as soon as I realized this was what was happening, I was like, they should all do this, which is... Sometimes there's a lot of crap on the screen. There's a bunch of enemies. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bubbles. There's fruit. There's items. There's the water bubbles. There's there's a lot of crap on the screen. And on the Nintendo, that leads to a fairly absurd amount of flickering, right? Where the sprites are like bamfing in and out of existence. And the reason that that's happening is because if they tried to draw them all, it would slow the frame rate down. And because it is an action platformer, sort of, you you really don't want the frame rate to be spiking up and plummeting down into the valley. And by having the sprites kind of flicker as their like compensating method, it means that the frame rate stays consistent. And that means you can tell what the hell is going on and still continue to play the game. So if you are like I am and you just throw bubbles out into the world like they're going out of style... And then there's I mean, you a, got no ammo. There's no reason not to. Yeah, right. And then there's a lot of enemies <laughs> on the screen. It's nice that they they either lucked into this or they did this on purpose. But th- this is something that to me makes the game supremely more playable. Even though it lowers the visual fidelity to have that flickering, I think it is the right choice compared to the frame rate slowdown that a lot of other games on the Nintendo did. Is they were like, look at how beautiful these graphics are as they go by at three frames per second. And it's like, no, I would, I, I can't have so much flickering that the game becomes unplayable. But in a game like this and in the way things are flickering, you can still play the game. So flickering to maintain the frame rate, to me, absolutely the right trade-off. Did not harsh my experience in the slightest. No, I agree. And and so that's interesting. Um I'm trying to think cuz I do absolutely agree that this was that was the correct choice for this game. I'm trying to think like so for example, when Mega Man 6 when you're fighting the giant robot creature, you know, that causes the game to come to this complete grinding halt. Yeah. I'm wondering how you would do something similar visually that wouldn't completely jar you out of the experience. You know, so because maintain like, a frame rate, but not do the flickering. No, 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 no. do the flickering to maintain the flame frame. Rate, ah, yes. Right? But because in this one, you know, you've got the bubbles, which is basically just a circle and then the static background. So if you've got a bajillion bubbles and all the bubbles start flickering, right, 
it it doesn't look that weird because then your brain just kind of says like oh well because your brain's kind of ignoring the extra bubbles anyway so to me it just kind of looks like oh almost almost like dust on the screen it's still actually somewhat visually appealing but if you have like a giant sprite you know like two gigantic sprites let's just say bright colors against a solid black background (laughs) right so if they started flickering that would that would look weird you know so i think that i'm not sure if that so I guess what I'm, I'm I'm saying is I'm not sure if I'm not sure if every game can do that, but I think that this game did it very elegantly. Yeah, I, I don't think they can, and I think it it's what are you optimizing for, right? And in a game like this, part of what they're optimizing for is the consistent speed of the enemies and of the player character, so that you can move through the world with a certain amount of confidence. And in a game like Mega Man, where you're doing some precision platforming and you're fighting enemies, like constant flickering is not the right choice, but it then becomes just a question of like, you know, oh, well, there is no way for us to render this giant sprite without either making it flicker when it moved or by uh, having the frame rate slow down. And it's like, then you couldn't render this giant sprite, right? Like, because it, it's yeah. not experience ruining, but it's certainly not a it's not a part you remember fondly, right? And in this, no. like I'm the only reason I think I even noticed the flickering as a way to probably preserve the frame rate is because I'm intentionally trying to rip the game apart. If I was just playing right. this, I probably wouldn't have even thought twice about it, which I'm sure is what most people do. Which is interesting because now now that I'm Let's just keep going down this rabbit hole. Uh, so, <laughs> so now what I'm thinking is the 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 marriage of you know saying like they should always do this is if you do want to like render a gigantic sprite on the screen or something like that, then do it in a way where it would visually make sense for parts of them to flicker, like it does in these bubbles. So if you fire a bajillion bubbles, the bubbles start flickering. That doesn't look visually that bad because then it just kind of looks a little bit like sparkling water. It doesn't look you know, like all of a sudden this giant, if, you know, if somebody showed me a picture of bubbles and all of a sudden the bubbles start, start you know, flickering, that's one thing. If somebody shows me a sheet of metal and the metal starts flickering, I'm going to assume <laughs> I'm high, you know? So, so what if, so assuming you've got that giant, you know, like whatever, I think it was like an ape creature or something like that, but you know, that, yeah, that giant creature. It's a right? monkey but, on like a, on like tank treads or something. So, but what if, you know, you instead built the sprite out so that way parts of them can flicker and it would look normal you know so like what if instead of being on giant treads he was on you know like a jetpack or something like that where you know that way like that could be trailing or kind of like a genie's tail you know something like that so you could make parts of that flicker without it looking weird you know yeah no so, I, I think there's options and I also strongly suspect that as they were learning these lessons, they were also gaining more powerful hardware, right? Because we, we won't go deep into this, but I, I think I've mentioned this on the show before that Nintendo cartridges actually had processing in them, which is why Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3 look like they're on two completely different pieces of hardware because they are on completely different pieces of hardware. <laughs> the Nintendo continued to be the Nintendo, but the Super Mario Brothers 3 cartridge showed up to the party with its own keg right like no no i don't i didn't come to the party i brought the party right (laughs) and and so 
as they were learning lessons about like, oh, what do we want to optimize for? Like frame rate or like fidelity? Do we want to optimize for this or that? Do we want to prioritize this or that other thing? They were also entering a world where the trade-offs were changing. So Mm -hmm. the question wasn't always just what trade-offs are we willing to make, but it was also what are our, even our options, right? Because on Monday they might be different than they are on Friday. So for this game, I think this is the right choice. Um, I also, speaking of like the multiple bubbles thing, uh, I contend that the, um, the instruction manual counts as part of the game. And because Mm. people are nerds, they upload these things to the internet. So Mm. I went and found a copy of the instruction manual and mm-hmm. just like in The Legend of Zelda and a lot of other early NES games, holy crap, is there a lot of useful information in there I wish I had thought to look up while I was playing. So. Yeah, so uh, so so now's, now's my time to come clean. I, I would sit here and get upon my highest of horses <laughs> and say, look at, look at you, Mr. Man, going outside of the game and trying to find things. Oh, no, it's totally part of the game. It's just a little <laughs> bit of cocaine. It's like, okay, no. But when, you're, when your happy butt was sitting in front of the game, did you stop playing the game and then go to a separate thing and then look up additional information? That sounds like outside resource exe- research, except for the fact that I actually did outside research for this. Nice. So, um, al- yeah. Also, I have the, this doesn't actually make it any better because it's like borderline hypocrisy fallacy, I think. But I didn't think to look up the instruction manual until I was getting my notes ready for the episode. So actually, mm. none of that information helped me play the game. Um, but, but the thing you said that specifically, I know it's sad. No. I, yeah, I, I cheated, but I did it so poorly that it didn't matter. So that's fine, right? It's like, uh, uh, I guess. Yeah. I had the worst of intentions. Um, so, But the, the reason this ties in is because uh, when a bunch of bubbles are clustered together, and they tell you this in the instruction manual, um, if you pop one on the end, it actually makes them all pop. And so you can use this strategically. So not only are you uh, playing a game with no ammo where you would probably just fire bubbles constantly wildly, but they actually baked that directly into the mechanics. And so I'm not going to go off into mechanics, but the way I can tie this to visuals is they probably did have to think about what's going to happen when there's 40 sprites moving on the screen that we have to render because there's, uh, you know, 25 bubbles and five enemies and 10 pieces of fruit just laying around, right? So they they must have thought through, how are we going to keep the game performant when there's all this crap on the screen? Because part of what we want people to do is use the bubbles in this, like, strategic way, right? So it's, mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to... This is a long-winded way of saying I think they did this on purpose. I don't think the the <laughs> flicker to save frame rate was an accident. I think this was an intentional design choice in the visuals to make the the game play the way they wanted. Yes, and so to to my actual outside research um, <laughs> as a visual note is uh, there is a tremendous number of power ups. Yeah, but you know? none of them show up till later. <laughs> none of them show up till later. It, I mean, some of them show up early. Some of them show up later. None of them I know what they do. You know? Oh, like I know the two that I saw consistently. I kind I think I understand how they work. The water bubbles, like the blue bubble, yeah, and then the little water green bubble. lightning bubble. Yeah. 
So the water bubble on you made sense, but what about the candy? Because the candy's a power up. Yeah, that one I'm not clear on. I know. And what about the, the E's and T's and X's that go floating through the level? Ooh, so that one's in the instruction manual. So is the candy. I just didn't read that part. So the, <laughs> the, so the letters, because the letters are so visually distinct from everything else in the screen, right? It's like you got these two little dinosaurs, you got these dino mites, and there's there's ghosts because every arcade game's got to have ghosts. And there's you gotta have ghosts. yeah, you gotta and, have and, there, and there's blocks, and you're jumping on blocks, and right. So there's all this like mostly candy colored universe, and then just out of nowhere, you will sometimes randomly see these letters, like it, like a Scrabble letter in a circle. Mm-hmm. And if you yep. collect them all, it spells the word I think extend. And if you the minute you collect the last letter it immediately bumps you to the next level. Well, that's God. I'm glad I didn't collect them all. That's, that's a bummer. Yeah. Like one level for all that uh, garbage. It, if I understood the, the instruction manual, right? Cause Lord knows I didn't collect them all. Because like, here's the thing is that there's candy. Some candy makes bubbles travel farther. Some candies make bubble fly faster. Some candies make rapid fire bubbles. Then there are umbrellas. How do umbrellas work? You ask, well, the orange umbrella lets you skip three levels, but the purple umbrella lets you skip five levels. The red umbrella lets you skip seven levels, but you got to be careful because when you skip those levels, sometimes you won't get additional power-ups that you might need later. And that brings us to rings. Rings <laughs> earn you 500 <laughs> points per jump, but then a red ring earns you 100 points per jump. Now, the teal ring only earns you 10 points per jump but if you get crosses now the way crosses work is it's a madhouse man i don't know what any of this crap does you know like like how would i know that crosses fill the screen with water free free enemies i mean like like or or, or, or like that you know that the lanterns like give me the effect of all three rings i don't even i wouldn't even known the effect of the rings had i gotten the rings much less the fact that the lantern gives me the effect of three of the rings i don't know any of this and so the reason why all this is in visuals is because None of this is clear through the visual, right? Now, no, because this, means... this is this is why I looked up the instruction manual because this time in history is firmly in the did you read the instructions before you sat down to play this game time in history where they don't give you they they it's not that they do a poor job of conveying this information visually they are not attempting to convey this information at all through any channels. No, and so. <laughs> And so that's the thing is that from from my seat, as far as and again, like looking if the question is looking at it through game design now, you know, like, yes, at this time in history, absolutely. You you should read the instruction manual because people expected you to, you know, because they didn't know that video games could be like unlike any other type of game where you can just sit down and learn as you go. You know, it's it's treated like. I mean, it would be it'd be very similar to if you sat down to play Lords of Waterdeep and, you know, like, we're just like, I'll just wing it. And it's like, you're not going to have fun. You're not going to have any idea what you're doing. Um, so I get that. But at the same point in time, from my seat, is it's is if we're asking the question, going with the all of the, the kind of predicated video game knowledge that you have now, does that portion of it hold up? No, because I, I can't just sit down and pick up this controller. I mean, as far as I was concerned, I would have rather that the power-ups just didn't exist, that they were just points, you know? 
or that they better telegraphed what I was doing. Like for the thing that made me go faster, maybe like a double right out, right arrow or something like that, you know, well, what or if, if it made one like of the things that makes you go faster is shoes. It is. It is. And that one, that one makes sense to me. Yeah. But, right. But not but the then there's other like, <laughs> yeah, like the rings, the rings made no sense to me. And there's other things like, you know, the, um, the, the bell, which causes the screen to flash whenever a special item is about to appear. <laughs> Sure. That that is you know? how bells work. Yeah. Yeah. And then or, or or the 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 flame necklace, I assume, which is ten extend bubbles appear at the next opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> See, that sounds like the way you would describe a rule in D D. Right? Because <laughs> because the word opportunity would have a loaded meaning that you could go look up in the index. And be like, yep. oh, an opportunity is what it's called in between rounds or something. You know what I mean? Like, like that word or would it, be used for a specific reason. But in this context, it's like, I right now seems opportune. Like, when is opportune? Yeah. Like, you would expect it to be like a hyperlink in the instruction manual <laughs> with like opportunity underlines. So you could <laughs> click on it and it would link you to an opportunity is, or one of my favorites is what I can only assume is a crystal ball causes items to appear faster than usual uh like how would how would you how would you know that because here's the thing is that it's not <laughs> that the visual poorly telegraphs what it's gonna do it does and that's true and we shouldn't ignore that but let's put a pin in that is that some of the things that it does there's no way for you to correlate what's happening to the fact that you just got this item you know yeah so like if i got an item that you know makes things happen more quickly than i'd be like oh hey i'm getting a lot more other items am i i, th I feel like it's going faster wait i picked up another item well there's 50 bajillion different types what was the last thing i picked up was it a cucumber or was it a tomato or was it an apple because there are tomatoes and apples and those two <laughs> things are different even though they're visually very the same you know so it's like what what caused this i mean literally megan and i sat there for about 10 minutes going down the rabbit hole because we let Teddy play for a little bit, which was really helpful because I learned some stuff <laughs> because Teddy made some decisions that I would just never make, you know, <laughs> but literally I was just kind of like, oh, uh, and this is one of my other notes is all of the the point things are vegetables. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool. They're not. But at this point in the game, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. It's kind of like a hey, kids, eat your veggies. It's not even fruit and it's not candy. I'm like, well, that's kind of neat. You know, it could have been just like candy. But it's not. And then candy showed up and I was like, well, <laughs> you know, and so so then I was like, well, that that throws that. But still, I mean, it's mostly vegetables and some candy. So that's still like pro kids. And then martinis started showing up. So that kind of threw that thing. So yeah, but what then, is it with arcade games from this era with like ghosts, fruit and alcohol? Like it's a, I don't know, man. <laughs> and and, and and the, the interesting thing is that if it's an alcohol, it's it's almost always a martini because, you know, it's just very it's super easy very, to render. Yeah. Really visually distinct. Yeah. Like there's no beer bottle. It's a it's a martini glass. Well, and but, when they do a beer, it's always like a mug. Right. Because it's, yes. it's a distinctive shape with a yellow, you know, kind of liquid in it. It's like, oh, that's mm -hmm. a beer. Right. There's yes. an entire friggin arcade game that was serving beer to people. Yeah, exactly. So I said all of that to say this, which is that I think that the they did a poor job telegraphing. Like, first of all, again, you know, different vegetables give you different points and some things power you up. Some things don't. There's, in my opinion, way too much 
stuff in here. You know, like I think that they could have. I think it adds for a great depth of play, but I think this is kind of bordering on Dwarf Fortress where, yes, there is a tremendous <laughs> amount of depth, but it doesn't matter because you can't get to it, you know? So that was kind of my my takeaway yeah. because, again, I had to do outside research. And if this was originally our arcade cabinet, then how would you know any of it? Uh, so it was not uncommon for arcade cabinets to literally have a metal sign on the side that was part of the design of the arcade cabinet that would tell you this stuff. And also, well, yeah, we didn't have that, but also a lot of arcade cabinets, uh, <laughs> because remember, this is a port, right? So it's it's mm-hmm. a really high-quality facsimile of the game, but it is not the original game, because at this time in history, when you ported stuff to another console, you rewrote the entire game from scratch and just tried to make it look the same. So there's every chance that the arcade cabinet had, like, the scrolling instruction screen before you put your quarter in and that kind of thing. So there's, I, I 100% agree with you on like, there's just way too much visual clutter and not enough good feedback visually or through any other channel to let you know what all these things do. You need the instruction manual. The thing that I will say worked out in their favor, and this might've been an accident or it might've been something that they were like, well, you know, people might not memorize all this stuff or care, even if they do look is you can successfully play the game without knowing almost any of this. So you don't know that you're missing all of this depth of interesting gameplay, which I think would probably subtract from your long-term enjoyment and replayability, but you could successfully play and enjoy the game without knowing like, oh, if I had just, right, I'm looking at the shadows on the wall. If I had just turned around, I would have seen that there's a whole wide world out there. Yes, yeah. Uh, and and you, you, you absolutely can. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head, which is that even with, you know, like a scrolling intro bar or something like that, if uh, or with a game manual, I mean, I could have read that game manual five times and still had to pause the game and go look <laughs> up what some of this stuff was just because... You know, it just it would be too much to keep in my active memory. And and yes, you can you can definitely play the game without needing to uh, internalize any of this. But at the same point in time, then I would say, I, I mean, I would rather have a little bit of good pizza than a whole lot of bad pizza, you know, which is again not to say that this was bad. But at the same point in time, it's like if they had taken it down to like five power ups, you know, as opposed to. I can't, I, I mean, literally, I was just looking at it, and I can't tell you how many there were. Like, you know, if, if they just kept it to a smaller number and then, you know, gone from there, I think that would have been a lot cleaner of a gaming experience for everyone. I think it would have hit a broader audience. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It's, uh, it as a design choice, it's a little odd. Visually, uh, there's, it feels like there's so many ways they could have, done the Zelda style bar across the top. That's like, these are the power-ups you currently have. And we've made the iconography linked at least loosely to what the thing does. To the past? Yeah. That's uh linked a little bit to the past. A little, a little bit. Right. But I mean, some, <laughs> some, some <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, um, link between their world and our world, a link between worlds, mm-hmm. if you will. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, you know, if we had to put this on a scale of like one sword to four swords, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Who, who's reaching me? 
I am now, I, d- I think I think you could really freak somebody out if you just totally <laughs> randomize your like scale, right? So <laughs> if the next time you're at work and and like one of your reports comes to you and they're like, "Hey, we have a serious problem," and it's like, like how serious? Like on a scale of one frying pan to six chickens, how many how many <laughs> zucchinis is it? And they would just be like. What now? My problem is that I don't know how to answer any of that. <laughs> if somebody said that to me, my next question would be like, "Do you smell burnt toast?" <laughs> <laughs> we, we should get you are to you, a doctor immediately. Are you actively having a stroke because you just went into word salad in the middle? I mean, like, you know, that would be your natural assumption because if you're expecting for somebody to say, "On a scale of one to ten, how bad is it?" <laughs> on a scale of one frying pan to five chickens, how many zucchinis is it? It's like, we need to get you to the hospital. <laughs> well, so, I mean, you know, you manage people. Like, this could be a way to get out of problems you don't want to deal with. <laughs> I, am, I am confident that my boss would eventually get a phone call and be like, we don't think George is well. The following are things that – because I could uh, – the only way I could get away with this is if I exclusively did it to one employee, which would be – horrible well yeah you know because no, at that point it's just psychological <laughs> torture yeah at that point i'm just gaslighting somebody <laughs> but yeah if i if i spoke complete and utter nonsense to one person and then adamantly denied it to everyone else yeah. you know and so I, I just i have no idea what he's talking about <laughs> don't do that do and that then, <laughs> and then he comes in and he goes like hey george so we had a weird conversation before and now you're saying that everybody doesn't recognize it it's like well you know what they say when your car gets 50 he- hogs head to the fathom then you just gotta roll with the punches and then he leaves and so come in like did, did that person speak with you today they said you said something odd it's like i i asked him to go degas his h2o supply <laughs> yeah yeah but i Don't... said all that to say this which is <laughs> um I, what are we talking about? Bubble bobble? I I no, I, ha- I have a final note on, on visuals. Um, okay. And I, I think it's worth mentioning just because it, it feels like they made the right choice. And we often complain about this. Uh, the hitbox for you, the character, like when you get, because it's one hit and you're dead, right? So when you yep. get hit, um, that always feels like, yeah, they, th- th- they're called, be- oh, yeah. they're called beasties. That beastie definitely came into contact with me, right? So you, you never, mm-hmm. I never at least felt like it was a cheap shot. But then on the other hand, there were times that I launched a bubble that that beastie got trapped into, and I was like, I completely missed, right? So it yep. it feels like when they were measuring out those hitboxes, they said, okay, f- when it's against the player, we will be pixel fair. And when it's in the player's favor, there will be a gigantic area of effect around the sprite. And, and that's, you know, like, if you go too far off in that direction, then it sucks any any of the challenge out of the game. But that was not a problem here. It was just nice that every once in a while I got to feel like I made a shot I didn't could, deserve to make. And it just made me feel you like... You got away with something. Yeah, you, you know? just feel like your wicked cunning is, like, why you have that high score, right? Like, that's just... Yeah, I recognize that I probably should have missed, but, you know, thanks for giving it to me. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's kind of like the equivalent when, you know, somebody winds up and they totally have the shot because you duffed it. Like, you know, you made a mistake, but then they kind of like stutter step and then you, you know, like you hit them, you know, so you're like, the only reason why I succeeded was because you failed. Right. You know, 
and, and so it's it's nice because you you're just kind of like oh crap I, I i mean this happens in lightning fast time but your brain says you made a mistake now you're going to die <laughs> and then you just don't die you know so it's like that's that's just nice and it wouldn't surprise me even if there was a half second or whatever the minimum amount of time is where you have to because there was a number of times where i would i am certain that an enemy hit me right as i was doing a bubble and then they got trapped in the bubble like i could almost see their sprite enter mine and then they got encapsulated in a bubble so it would not surprise me um i i would have no way of proving this but to be like if when your bubble makes contact with an enemy, when that when those two hitboxes collide, it immediately bubbles them. But when an enemy hitbox collides with you, whatever the minimum amount of time is, it hits two beats. You know, it's so like they have to be in your hitbox for a tenth of a second. You know, yeah. So that way, if right as they hit you, you fire a bubble, then it'll register the hit with the bubble, not register the hit with you. Yeah. Well, what what may be happening is because the bubble comes out of your mouth. So mm-hmm. it the bubble essentially starts overlapping with your sprite. So mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if you have started to fire the bubble and it hasn't left your mouth. When they collide with you, they are colliding with the bubble, right? So it's not like, it, it's almost like how in some more modern games, there's like, that instant of invulnerability if you like cheat Mm -hmm. the animation like that may be Mm -hmm. what's happening and i suspect again that it may be happening on purpose because it's very in favor of the player right where it's just like for this instant for like this you know one or two frames right there's that tiny little bit you don't exist there is only the bubble and then when the beastie comes into contact with the bubble which is also overlapping with your sprite they don't touch you. They touch the bubble. So you don't die. They get bubbled, right? Like that's, if that was an accident, then yay. But I, I suspect they probably did that on purpose. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. And my, my one final, very minor note for visuals is uh level 11 is space invaders. <laughs> level 11 is space invaders. Yeah. They, it just, they all have like, we didn't, how did we, you know, it's cause we went off onto a bunch of insane tangents. Um, but yeah, all the levels are like single screen arcade levels, but they have like adorable themes and like little cute yes, patterned like layouts heart. and stuff. Like lots, lots of thoughtfulness went into arranging those single screen levels. They didn't wuss out like Pac-Man and just make every screen identical. Right. And so not only are they, but the interesting thing is that the complexity of the level is not necessarily belied by the complexity of the image. So for example, the heart level, which is level like, 15 16 somewhere in there that is a huge pain in the butt because of the way that you interact with the universe you know like your ability once you enter that heart like like the bubble bobble and the beasties enter the heart and only one shall leave because it's really hard to get out of there yeah. once you're in there no, I, so, I have feelings about platforming but i'm saving those for controls <laughs> So so with all that said, though, is I really think what they did was they said, oh, we should have this level and this level. And so then they made all of them. Then they played them and then they ordered them, you know, <laughs> you, for some of them. I bet you're not wrong where they were like, yeah, you know, oh, this is a cool design. Let's make this level eight. I mean, 80. Yes, because this is a nightmare, like the one that's actually a ghost. Yeah. You know. I was like, I, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and I started interacting with them. I, I, I find this displeasant. I, it's like when uh, in Parks and Recreation, where Ron Swanson meets the other Ron. He's like, I like Ron, and then he finds he's this complete hippie. He's like, I no longer like Ron. 
Like that's exactly <laughs> what it felt like for me. But uh, but yeah, that's all I've got for visuals. All right, onward to audio. Um, before I reveal my incredibly detailed notes for audio, uh, I'm gonna be fair and say that uh, this game has 100 levels, including a final boss on level hmm. 100. Because if you didn't know, you're trying to save your girlfriend from like the big bad beastie because that's hmm. all video games were allowed to be for several decades is guy saves girl uh, from a monster. Um, so I, I say all that to I, – I didn't finish. I got into the 20s somewhere. And near as I can tell, uh, there's only one single piece of music – in this game, at least in the first 20 some odd levels, because my music notes read thusly bullet a one song forever bullet B seriously one song for <laughs> I, like I part of me kept thinking like, okay, maybe when I get to level 10, it'll change. Maybe it changes in blocks of 10. Okay. Maybe it'll change like at, at level 20. Maybe it changes like every, you know, every 20 levels. Right. And, and I didn't play past that because I just didn't have time, right? And we'll talk about how you could just brute force this game if you wanted to. But, like, I, it's really, like, just a hundred levels of this one song? Like, why? 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 So, um, one thing real fast is uh, I, I, I've got to go check my email real fast. So, if you could just go ahead and put that music on. Uh, I'll be right back. Okay, so now that everybody's heard some of the music and can and can form their own opinions, um, so yes, there is there's only that one song, that one song that you just heard, right? That is that that's the whole game. Um, I love it. I love that song. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, it's it really so charming piece of music, but it does get a it little is. repetitive. It totally does. <laughs> But it did not bother me at all. And that, that's my note, which is I am surprised that it did not wear on me, you know? But, like, you know, I'd, I'd sit there and play for, you know, a half. I could really only do this in about half an hour chunks. Normally, I try to, like, chunk it out at about an hour a piece. But after about half an hour, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go do something else. Um, and I would just be, I could just go make myself a sandwich and be like, do, 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 do. I don't know. Like, it was, it was incredibly charming. I could not, I will definitely give you, I could not imagine doing a hundred levels of it. That, <laughs> that would be, at, at some point, you know, you're like, I know, I no longer play the drums, the drums play me, you know? Yeah. But, uh, no, and I, yeah. I, I mean, I guess if you're in like a bar or an arcade and there's a bunch of noise or whatever, and you can speed run this game in less than an hour, right? Because mm -hmm. if you don't die, you're only being exposed to this music for like 45 minutes, which is not that much longer than your play session was. Right. So if you, if you're an expert bobbler and you, and you, you just blast bubbler, bubbler, bubbler. Yeah. If you're an expert yeah. bobbler and you just, you just blast <laughs> through the game, I guess 40 minutes of, you know, 45 minutes, whatever of this music is not intolerable. It was, for some reason, I just expected variation because the visuals 
are so varied level to level. Like the colors are different and the layout of the level is different. The design of the level is different and there's just no auditory equivalent. The sound effects are the same from the first level to the last level. The music appears to be the same from the first level to the last level. Like there's just absolutely no change at all. And so part of me was just like waiting for change that never came. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and interestingly, so to, to travel back in time, I remember when we did uh, Dr. Mario, right? Because there were, there were multiple... <laughs> yeah, that. Um, so to, to our audience who had that delightful song in their head and now have Dr. Mario stuck <laughs> in their head, you're welcome. Uh, that's not the point. The point is, though, is that I remember something that we both said, which is there are three different tracks in that there is one track. Yeah. You know? So yeah. So I'm I'm wondering is would this have been a similar thing where if they had this really fun delightful song and then they had like two other songs and and would we have then you know stared upon the songs and wept for there were no more worlds to conquer like you know I I, I don't know I don't know what else they would have come up with but I was to me this was the Doctor Mario of of songs where I was just kind of like I'm, I am okay with listening to this for at least for the chunks that I did. So I think you are, your assessment is correct. My experience was tainted by the fact that for some reason I was expecting right. different music, right? So that that was really where the thing, you know, you said at the top of the show, like you when you play arcade games, because you are a modern video game player, you tend to lower your expectations. Somehow I got it into mm-hmm. my head that there would be, new music and it honestly it's probably because the visuals were so varied that i was just like oh well surely there will be some other level music and there's just not right and because it's an arcade style puzzly style single screen style game that makes total sense but because that didn't align with my expectations which admittedly were completely wrong and i have no one to blame <laughs> but myself like that that's what led to me just dwelling on the music because you're right it is like the visuals charming as heck it is a great little song i was humming it earlier while i was setting up my microphone <laughs> and stuff it's a great little piece of music but just it, it's kind of like when you're you're uh, hiking or if you're you're driving like on kind of a, a curved road and you keep thinking well surely i'm about to get to the top right or surely the road is about to straighten out and i won't have to kind of awkwardly hold the wheel in this like gentle curve and it just it just never happens like you just never get mm-hmm. to the top of the mountain you never get around the curved road you're like am i am i doing this wrong <laughs> like what is the problem I, here yeah yeah no and and this is definitely a pejorative example so do not think that i am thinking of this this particular thing in this exact light but it is it is very similar to you know, when I'll just be sitting there, you know, doing some dishes, putting in the dishwasher or whatever, like some banal chore. And Teddy will turn to me and say, like, Dada, I need a cookie. And I'm like, what? No. Why would you? Why would you get a cookie? It's it's 11 o'clock. Like, it's not even snack time, you know? And he's like, but I need it. No. Why? And it's like, where, where did this come from? Everything was fine. And now all of a sudden you're really mad at me and I don't really know what's going on. So again, not to liken you to a four-year-old, but like, but yeah, there, there are definitely those times when, you know, you're just kind of like, you do just for whatever reason, get an expectation in your head. And then somebody says, but why were you expecting that? And you're like, I don't know, but my disappointment is real. Yeah. You know? yeah and that, like, that's, that is the exact right phrase for it is 
my expectations were wrong and I am wrong for having them because all of the evidence should have indicated that that was not going to be the case, right? <laughs> Every other single screen arcade game that I think I've ever played probably has one piece of music, if it has music at all. And so I know that my game's literacy is pretty all right. And yet I just decided I deserved a cookie and the cookie never came. <laughs> it's like the opening the bag that says dead pigeon. <laughs> just, I don't know what I was expecting. Yep. But one thing that this game doesn't do that you might have been expecting, and I know you were very excited about, is that there's no walking noise. There's no walking noise and the bubble noise when you produce a bubble and the noise that it makes when you defeat an enemy uh, those are also not terrible sound effects and surprisingly they are spaced out enough that they don't feel hyper repetitive, right? Like when, when you play like a, a sh what do you call it? Like a, a shump, like a shoot side scrolling shooter game, like a, a bullet hell game. There, right. There's a proper a name what? for that genre and it's something dumb like shump. Okay. I know you're going to look this up while I'm talking. Go for it. <laughs> but when you're playing a game like that, the trigger is never not triggered. So whatever the laser blasting bullet firing noise is, you just hear it constantly. Right. And in this game, you are, you know, ABB a always be bubbling. Right. But you're not bubbling with the same kind of consistency as in a bullet hell game. And so the noise and it's not an unpleasant noise, but it also doesn't have that same kind of just constant white noise background effect. So it's, it it's like, it's good. It, they were very thoughtful about the sound effects in this game. So here's the interesting thing is I, I don't know the name of the genre that you're, that you're talking. I know the genre you're talking about. I do not know the name of it. Um, Shump is a real thing. Oh Lord. It, it is, <laughs> It, but it is a, its own video game, right? But here's the thing is, go, so it says, um, so, but going into it thinking that it was a genre, right? I read this. Now, keep in mind, it's talking about a game, but I am thinking of it as a genre. Shump is a platformer about agile armed animals ascending against a barrage of bullets, bosses, and bombs. And I'm like, that is hyper specific. That is a very specific genre. You know, and so that 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 threw me because I'm like, okay, so this is a genre where specifically it has to be a a Galaga style game, but with animals. I'm like, that's and that's oh, oh no, no, it's it's actually just the game. Okay, so it it's both. So th this is a modern game called Shump. Shump mm -hmm. is a foreshortening of shoot um up Shump. Because saying shoot him up was just way too much work. Uh, because at the time in history that this kind of thing was going on, they were trying to figure out what cool slang would let you know who was in the club and who was an outsider. Because we humans do this. We're all super ter ter territorial. And when you look yep. back, some things like, you know, oh, man, those two best friends have like a super cool handshake. And that like ages really well, right? And then don't 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 be jealous about Bucknell's and my handshake. It's okay. Yeah, exactly, right? And like that ages really well <laughs> where you know, 20, 30, 40 years later, you're still like you get the same kind of satisfaction out of like your super cool friend handshake. 
And then there's other like in the club things like Shump, where anyone who's not in the club is like, I don't want to be in your club. You say words like Shump, like Shump, <laughs> just jumping about. Ooh, yeah, ooh, no, maybe that maybe that's what it is. It's like a it's like the the way you know the little rascals would have like a no girls sign on like their treehouse. Mm-hmm. Is like the word shump is because shoot 'em up might attract people and they'd be like, Oh, that sounds that sounds like exciting. Like I want to play shoot 'em up. And it's like, oh no, we're not playing shoot 'em ups. We're uh shump shumping. We are shumping. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I just because <laughs> to be I mean, and this is just my own particular brand of being a jerk, that would attract my attention. <laughs> But so bizarre like, that you're like, what is that? But only for ridicule purposes. You know, <laughs> like if somebody said, hey, we're just going to go shumping. I'd be like, no, wait, come back. What <laughs> did you just say to me? We're going to we're going to go. We're going to go shumping. Don't worry about it. No, I'm I'm intensely worried about it. I, I insist that you elaborate. What is this shumping that you're talking about? Because it sounds vaguely sexual. <laughs> and I just I'm not going to leave you alone about this until you describe it to me. And then they're like, it's a it means shoot him up. I would be like profoundly disappointed you know <laughs> that's not nearly as weird and hopefully involving protection as i thought it would <laughs> but uh audio right yeah i mean there's nothing else to say about it one song forever <laughs> decent cute arcade style sound effects like I, I i feel bad for audio when we play some of these games because i'm sure someone spent a lot of time programming a circuit board to make all these like chirps and beeps and boops but the the novelty doesn't hold up over the test of time and the song is really adorable but we've already been through that so like there's just there's just not a lot else to say you know what there's one more thing to say controls there you go uh so controls gameplay you said you had something specifically about controls yeah so I was probably on like my third or fourth round of playing when there's this one level that has these like super narrow columns on the side and yep. Yeah. And it's worth pointing out that you can jump upward through the floor. And if that Mm -hmm. part of the floor is thin enough, you then land on top of that surface, but you, as far as I can tell, cannot go downward. Right. Agreed. Yes. So, uh, there's this area where there's these super narrow columns on the left and right, and if level you level twelve, say what? It's level twelve. Oh, it's level. I, I have it in my notes. Discard you. Level... So it's level twelve. Yeah. Ooh, maybe <laughs> this I should... is right after the space invaders. <laughs> maybe I should let you tell your story first because this might be hilarious. <laughs> um, but I got stuck in those columns a couple times, and you know the enemies will eventually find you because they move kind of randomly. I don't think they're really looking for you. And so the the enemies eventually came in and I eventually bubbled them thanks to the generous hitbox. And then I made it to the next level and all was fine. And then I had this, this thought where I kind of was like, all right, this game is incredibly well regarded historically. It is considered not only one of the best arcade ports onto the NES, but one of the best games in the NES's very extensive library. So it was like the, it seems unlikely that there would just be a giant death column where if I accidentally jump in there, I'm trapped, right? And so you can't go down through the floor pressing any of the buttons. No matter what I tried, I couldn't make it happen. But you can jump off of your own bubbles. 
So like mm-hmm. Super Metroid leaving a trail of bombs underneath her to propel her upward with somehow n- that not killing her, you can, if you time it right, bubble your way out of that column. And it took me a couple of tries, but I was like, th- these columns are here to teach me this. Because I'll bet in some of the later levels that have like really crazy designs that you need to be able to use your bubbles to navigate the level. So they force you into this area very early on in the game where it's like, you should probably learn this skill, right? And there's probably some other levels later where it's also really obvious that it's like, how would I get out of this area if I got trapped in there? Mm -hmm. So that's interesting because... um... I did know you could jump on the bubbles. I did try doing it there, but from what I was, I was trying to create a bubble and then jump on it. And it's the column was thin enough that the I was popping my own bubble before it actually got out of my mouth. So I think that yeah, you kind of have like, to like jump and shoot. Like the the timing, yeah. if you're trying to go basically straight up, is pretty strict. Right. So honestly, I I thought it was a a soft lock. You know, where basically if you fall down this tunnel you know that uh this column then yeah you just gotta wait for the bad guy to get you and and it's interesting because again just coming into it with expectations is if this was a modern game i probably would have tried harder to find my way out of it but when i hit this i was like old games had stuff like this where you know it just wasn't really thought out and you know so i just i literally um just sat there and waited for death to get me out of that area. And and that is exactly what I did. I think the first two times. And then the third time I managed to finish the level without getting out of there. But then like the fourth or fifth time I was like, you know, this game is really highly regarded. I'm going to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and see if I can make this work. And granted that, like I said, the timing is awkward, right? Because Normally, you would cluster the bubbles in a slightly different way, and you have to hit the jump button like just at the right time so that you don't pop the bubble and fall through it. You bounce off of it, but it it can absolutely be done. I did it multiple times just to be sure. I was like, okay, I got out. If I jump in here again, can I get out again? And so they definitely... I would say I'm highly confident they are trying to teach you that lesson, but the way they try to teach you that lesson has not aged well. Like your ongoing reaction, which was the same as my initial reaction is not surprising to me in the slightest that we were like, (laughs) well, old games just suck sometimes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that was definitely my, uh, my general consensus on that. And so it, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of like where, you know, we should just like, Oh yeah, man, I just, I don't know, man. Sometimes when you're driving down a highway, the highway just makes these wildly random noises, you know, just is what it is. It's like, yeah, you know, those are strips on the side. If you just don't drive off the side of the road, that won't happen. (laughs) Really? You know, (laughs) mind blown. But getting stuck in level 12 in that that side column did make me realize one of the it's an interesting mechanic, which is that death comes for you. Yes. And it's not clear exactly when, because there is obviously a timer, and that timer is super not on screen. Yeah, but it, it plays like a quick, oh, that's an audio note. Hey, that's another audio thing. It plays a quick little musical thing yeah, to let you know. I, I think there, does the does a little text pop up says hurry, I think? I don't, I don't know, because 
I was in level 12 and stuck in that area. And so I was, I was frustrated. So I went down and I was writing down in level 12, there's a soft lock. And then I hear this music <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's weird. And so when I looked up, death was slowly coming across the screen for me. I'm like, how did I miss this much in like 10, the 10 seconds it took me to look down and do this. So I, maybe, um, but the one time death came for me, he, he left not a message. He left only my corpse. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And I, I, I at first I was just kind of like, well, what's, what's the point of that mechanic? But upon reflection, I'm thinking that it's kind of, it's a very early archaic version of the like, you know, press square to give up kind of a thing, you know, where or like in um, in Celeste, where when you get stuck, you can just kill yourself, you know. So like if if you are inexorably stuck where you're like, I can't I can't do anything. It's like, OK, well, then this thing will just come kill you. You know, it also it gives you an incentive to, you know, not screw around in the level too much, you know. But that being said, is it like if you do get stuck, it's like, OK, well, clearly you're stuck because you've been in this level for a minute. You shouldn't be in any level for more than 30 seconds. So death's coming for you. So I would say in the home computer entertainment system version of this game, it definitely serves as a way to propel play forward and encourage the player to not dick around and to, um, if you don't figure out the bubble jump mechanic, to free you. So, I, I mean, you could realistically, if you were a kid or if you just are like, you have a high games literacy, so you're overthinking that kind of a thing, like, yeah, you could soft lock yourself into a corner and then you get stuck and then the game wouldn't be any fun, right? So I, I could believe all of that if you were only considering that mechanic as being present in the Nintendo and like other home console versions. But I also think that this is, was an arcade game and they're trying to propel you forward because only through gameplay are you ever likely to die. And so... Mm -hmm what's the one stick they can use above all other sticks is if you won't go on and play more game and die, we'll kill you. <laughs> like we're, we're, we're getting another quarter out of someone and it's either out of you or whoever gets to play next, but we're not going to let you just sit here and then laugh at your buddy and be like, Oh, I haven't died yet. My turn's not over either die or we will die you like someone is putting <laughs> another quarter into this machine. And I know that's a little bit cynical, but I mean, it's an arcade cabinet. Yeah. No, I mean that, that doesn't, that doesn't like completely surprise or floor me. I, I, I would agree with that as well. And also too, like, even if you look at it in the altruistic way, which is that if you have soft locked yourself, right. I mean, then literally bubble bobble would be the game that everybody was walking by because it's on level 12 the guys in the corner and 95 percent <laughs> of people don't know how to get them out so it's just like oh well the game's stuck again um all that being said i do like the idea of because i mean what the statement that you made of basically death being the ultimate stick that doesn't just apply to video games i think that's pretty ubiquitous you know yeah i mean except for like people who are super religious and are really sure they've led a good life yeah. Yeah, I'm willing to nice. <laughs> Yeah, G generally speaking, I mean, you know, it's it's a very inappropriate stick to use as a general rule, and and using that stick will probably cause you more problems than not using any stick. But that being said, it's like the uh, the idea that every problem is solved with a Molotov cocktail. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> it can create new problems and often splashes onto things that weren't a problem and are now. But that initial problem is not the problem anymore. Um, um, I had a uh, a comment about the bubbles that actually I, I realize now is under mechanics because I was thinking so much about the mechanics of it. And I absolutely should have brought this up in visuals. Um, but hey, just like we didn't talk that much about the really slick level design, I also forgot to mention this. Um, the bubbles uh, like flash in a super obvious way when they're going to pop because they do eventually pop on their own if you don't pop them or they don't get an enemy in them. Um, and the way that all of the other weapons, at least that I came across, look are like there there are other bubbles. So there's the lightning bubble, which stuns you when you pop it because you get electrocuted, but it also shoots lightning out into like the surrounding area mm-hmm. and, it, and it can hurt enemies. And then there's the water bubble that like makes you go like rocketing through the stage at a million miles an hour. And then anything you collide with, you actually hurt. Right. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of one, I like the theming of bubbles and I also like that they they have really clear visual affordances that matter mechanically. If you're trying to make 80 bubbles be on the screen so that you can pop them all at once, you need to know if some of the bubbles you've already blown, you're blowing bubbles. Some of the bubbles you've already, they just kind of, none of that sounds right, man. No, but I mean, they like emerge from you like eggs out of Birdo. Like, uh, yeah, but I, I think that the problem is you said like, you know, like, well, you know, what you need to know is when you've blown several bubbles, which one of them pops. But what you need to know is when you've blown. Yeah. Is several bubbles? is like, blown it, the right it, word here? I understand the emphasis. You're trying to make a sexual and I'm trying to just plow right through you. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it just if the visual, the visual of them emerging like eggs from your gullet just doesn't. I don't know. When you blow bubbles, I guess. they <laughs> <laughs> you need to know if like your stockpile is 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 I'm just we're going to pretend none of this ever happened. You need to <laughs> you need to know if your your stockpile of ammunition is, you know, not going to work when you you go for it. So I I like all of the little visual affordances that let you kind of have an idea of how these different weapons are maybe going to behave mechanically since none of the items give you any visual affordances. It's nice. Yeah, no, I, I, and and also too, I'm, I'm bummed that I kind of used the here's what the music sounds like all the way before because <laughs> this would have been a great time to been like, like no, you said blowing but experiencing technical difficulties, you know? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, nope, too bad. <laughs> yep, yep, no, I, I, I totally blew that. Um, uh. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I do think that, that the visual affordances there were good. And I did think that it had a, a, an interesting mechanical twist. Um, and also the fact that, you know, I knew at one point that because, again, I looked down to take notes. I looked up and something I bubbled had gotten out and was angry with me. <laughs> um, so I knew that that could happen. And so then actually that made me a little timid because I'm like, oh man that bubble's that bubble's been there for a while is it is it gonna pop is it gonna pop on its own and then when i saw it turn red i'm like oh thank you okay good so as long as it's blue i'm fine and if it's just turned red then it's really more like a yellow light it's really more like guidelines (laughs) than actual rules there you go you know but uh (laughs) but then uh but so yeah i thought that was really nice i thought that something that i thought was kind of interesting and i think very important mechanically is that 
your bubbles must be must have some degree of forward momentum to bubble someone. Yes, if they are just listing upward, they it it enemies do not get bubbled. It, it has to be Correct. on that horizontal trajectory. Right. So, which is interesting because, you know, while you can totally, you know, spray and pray and hope that, you know, <laughs> you're just going to catch somebody in your in your bubble cloud, right? You do have to actually hit them. You can't just say, I'm going to run around the bottom of the screen, fill the world with bubbles, and then just hope for the best. Because if you could, that would make the game just utter nonsense and not really worth playing, you know? So the fact that the bubbles stay on the screen and you can still interact with them and they can actually cause you problems does kind of give you a reason to not just fire bubbles all willy-nilly. The, the penalty for doing so is very small, but the fact that you do actually have to have some degree of skill and be facing facing what you know the bad guy that you're trying to bubble is important because a lot of the bad guys are traveling at you pretty quickly. So if you could just run around like a madman, bubble up the screen and hope they hit one, that's really different than you know the little blue bullets you know that are coming at you where you actually have to turn and hit them you know and most of the enemies can move on all the axes but you can only shoot bubbles dead left and dead right so like if you need to you know bubble someone that's above you you have to move to the side and then jump up next to them and then shoot a bubble in their direction right so you you have a, a limited, like a really limited area where you can essentially attack other enemies. You cannot jump on them. You cannot headbutt them. You have to bubble them and then mm-hmm. pop the bubble. So when you said, I, I know what you mean by they can, they can move on the X and Y axis, but when you said they can move on all of the axes, my, my brain immediately went down a tunnel, which is like, they can move on the X and Y axis and Z axis. <laughs> and I pictured it coming out of the screen at, at me and on the fourth dimensional axis. And it's like moving through my childhood, you know? And it's like, did, did, the, I'm like, did that, what? is that not how your experience of the game was? <laughs> No, and I and and this is why I tell you not to use your monkey's paw right before doing game reviews. Man, I wish I was still playing Bubble Bubble. Your wish is grand. No, no. What a terrible use of a monkey's paw, yeah, right? <laughs> so, uh, so I thought that that was a very, very important game mechanic. Um, well, and, and the uh, the chaining you can do with bubbles is because once you've bubbled an enemy, if you cannot easily get up to where they are you can create a chain of connected bubbles and then pop the one on the end, which will then pop all mm-hmm. of the connected bubbles, including the one with the enemy in it, right? So there is there is a use to those bubbles that you just let float up listlessly, but that's not your primary weapon. It's just a... It's like a, a tool for certain platforming realities. Like, I don't even know what you would call that. And, and you've used... Uh, oh, God. I remember exactly what phrase... Like players will optimize the fun out of a game is that right so if you could just stay on the lowest part of the platform and just cough bubbles up endlessly and never actually interact with the world or have to deal with any of the platforming challenges that players would do that and it would not be fun and so the fact that you literally can't do that means that no one will they might try that optimization and then see that the game does not afford them that option. And then they're like, Oh, I guess I can't do that. And then they go back to playing the game normally. But if you could do that, you'd constantly be fighting that. Like, should this level's hard. Should I just go down to the bottom and just 
blow bubbles until the screen is filled up with bubbles, right? Like you'd always be fighting the urge for that, like catch all choice. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have one other major note for uh, gameplay. What about you? Uh, I have one other thing that I want to talk to you about, and uh, I'm I'm just kind of curious what your reaction is, and if if it if we don't have like a long conversation over it, that won't be the end of the world. But this was a big revelation to me. Uh, and that's my teaser for the thing I'm going to say after you say your thing. One other thing I want to mention, which is that, um, and I think that we kind of need to to touch on it, is that there is a continue mode in this game, um, which, you know, I was I kind of had mixed feelings about because at first I was like, oh well, this is just like in Rampage where when you take the coins out of the co-op, you know, then what's the what's the point of any of this? Why why are we doing any of this, right? But two things I think make it distinct and and why I was like, no, I like this is one is that the levels to this one is actually varied to the point where it's worth continuing to play. Whereas in Rampage, like you, you've destroyed one city, you've essentially destroyed every city that they're going to throw at you. There is no sense of getting to level 99 or 100. In this game, there is some aspect of discovery to it. So that's enjoyable. And so then this facilitates that discovery because otherwise if it was like you got three lives two lives you can get some more lives basically if your rate of losing lives is faster than your rate of gaining lives then too bad you may only get to level 10 and that may be as far as you ever get in this level but you could theoretically grind your way up the levels by just throwing like basically as long as you die less than three times on each level you're fine. You can slowly work your way up. And that's kind of what I did. And I was kind of okay with that because it effectively reduced the cycle time. Because if I had to play all the way through level one through 10 to get back to level 11 where I died, that would be exhausting and frustrating and I'd quit. But considering the fact that I would get to level 12 and then I'd be like, okay, I, I really did want to push myself and see how far I could get without doing a continue. But then when I did die and need to continue, the fact that I didn't get kicked back to level one made, to me, the game way more enjoyable. Well, and if you really want to get good at this game, they implemented the password system in a way that, frankly, I think is genius. Because when you enter a password, or if you die and just continue, it doesn't just let you continue from the level you died in. It actually is a level select. So you can say, like, okay, I died on level 15, but I died on level 15 because I lost two of my lives on level 14. So I'm actually going to go replay level 14 because that's the one I need to get better at. So someone who wanted to like master this game or like become a professional speedrunner at this game, the game actually gives you the tools in 1988, gives you the tools you need to practice the parts of the game you may be struggling with. And once you get a password, it's not like in some games that do password systems where it's like, well, I have 20 different passwords because sometimes I want to play this part of the game or that part of the game or I want this part of the game, but that power up or whatever. So I've got my little notebook full of passwords, right? Like you did this for Mega Man. Yes, I did this for Mega Man. You had all the passwords yep. written down, right? But in Well, actually... In Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time, I did not initially realize that it saved all of the songs for you. So I actually had all of the songs written out nice. in my notebook. Like I had no. Yeah, I mean, you, you had your game in notebook and yeah. it had all of your notes for all the different games. You know, yeah. I mean, how else would you how else would you do that? That's how I learned note taking. I didn't learn it in school. <laughs> you don't learn that stuff in school. <laughs> no. 
(laughs) Anyone who played games as a kid and didn't have that little gaming notebook, how did you get by? But... (laughs) Yeah, right. Like, but I, I like that in this, the latest password you have is essentially the only one you need. Because if you've gotten to level 99 or level 100 and you want to play any of the preceding levels, that's the only password you need. Because then you just select yep. the level you want to play. So it's efficient in a way that is, I think, incredibly generous, period but almost unfathomably well thought out for this time in history, especially extra super cherry on top for an arcade port, which were often like lazy cash grabs. So right. like, you know, I, I think I mentioned this somewhere earlier in the show, but like there's a lot of good reasons that this is considered not just one of the best arcade ports on the Nintendo, but one of the best Nintendo games because little things like that, if you like this kind of game, they really thought through those little details in a way that is not even always present in modern games. Yep. But what's your thing? I'm curious about your thing. So I had I was thinking about my notes earlier. I was at the gym, you know, getting getting swole. And I was thinking sacrificing sweat to the goddess of swole. Yes. Yes, that's right. Um stack and plate. <laughs> if the bar's not bending, you're just pretending. I was <laughs> You know where I got with the first time in my life I ever heard that was from Hugh Jackman's Instagram. <laughs> that 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 sounds fantastic and delightful. Right? Especially coming from yeah. him. Um uh but I had this realization I was like I was kind of thinking through like some of the mechanics and some of the notes and things and you know kind of getting ready for the episode and I was like I I feel very favorably about this game as a piece of art. But I I can't say I found it overly enjoyable. Why is that? And somehow my brain decided to wire together the fact that I also don't really play games on smartphones. And I've, I've always wondered why I don't play games on smartphones since I love video games and I have my smartphone with me all the damn time. And I realized... I just don't really like this kind of arcade game. Like the kind of make the numbers bigger, like pseudo single screen. Like I don't dislike them, but there's a very narrow band of this that I can find enjoyable. And this is the thing I'm curious about your opinion on. Is that not basically what all like modern smartphone games are? Almost all modern smartphone games are Scrabble, Tetris, Bubble Bobble, Dr. Mario. They're all, because of their nature, they need to be bite-sized and consumable in that same kind of way, broadly, that arcade games were. And I bet you could draw a pretty straight line, like a one-to-one correlation of people who liked those kinds of games in the arcade and people who like those kinds of games on their cell phone, even if they don't realize that they are sort of scratching the same itch. And I think for me, because one doesn't scratch that itch, I'm not surprised in the slightest that the other one also doesn't. Hmm. Interesting. Um, so I would make the argument that most or the most popular cell phone games are very similar to that that they are very much so challenge and, um, you know, high score based. Yeah, you're, be- you're um, bejeweled. Yeah, bejeweled, Candy Crush, you know, oh, a- any 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 match three game, you know, uh, I- any of that, right? 
Um, there, I would definitely say that there are there there is a vast plethora of different types of mobile games. They're just they're they're harder to find and they're way more hit and miss. You know, well, and, and um, a lot of mobile games that I've played that were the kind of game I enjoy, I I cannot put up with touchscreen controls. But for an arcade style game where you basically have a joystick where you can just move your thumb anywhere on the screen and it interprets it like a joystick. And then you have like a single button or a couple of buttons, which is pretty similar to how arcade games were like that translates to a touchscreen really well, but things that require like Twitch controls, like plat people are like, you know, let's, let's play Mario run. And I'm like, no, the only reason that works is because they've removed 50% of the controls and just given you a jump button. Like that's not, it's not fun. Is this what you think is fun? <laughs> this, this is what you came here for? Um, but no, I mean, like, for example, uh, one game that I played recently. Um, it, what, so this to the audience as well. Um, if you don't like the normal cell phone games, one, one t- genre of game that I think works pretty well on a cell phone that doesn't, you know, have the types of issues that you're talking about is um, they have some good deck building games. Not not collectible card games yeah deck, deck builders building games. no and, and yeah. those i think would translate to a touchscreen environment but i don't i don't dislike those but i don't seek them out yeah so i mean that's the thing is i would say definitely say you know like your 70 hour rpgs you know <laughs> like the, your metal gear solids your metal gear solids too um you're not going to find on on the cell phone um just because, again, it's not it's not really conducive to that. You do need a, a something that has an incredibly short cycle, uh, not cycle time. I forget the name for it. it it's like playtime. It's it's basically the amount of time for you to feel that you got a satisfying experience. Um, what is the term for that? I mean, go on, but not- satisfaction time. <laughs> Snickers time. The, it's Snickers time needs to be really short. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I like that. No, that's so the thing now. That- yeah, cool. So <laughs> there's cycle time and Snickers time. Which which one are we talking about? But uh, yeah, so I, I, but I definitely think that a lot of games do have that. And and honestly, I think that this is one of the places where we differ. Is this type of game I enjoy, but mostly because I enjoy games that facilitate abnegation, you know? So like a game where I can just kind of put my brain in neutral and just... I, I do enjoy games that do challenge me mentally, but... I kind of don't really like a lot of it in between either. I want a game that I really have to actively focus on or one where I can just kind of completely check out, be talking <laughs> to somebody else. And like, you know, and, and this game does that. It scratches that itch for me where I can just sit there and kind of be vaguely paying attention to this other thing. But really my focus is on listening to whoever I'm talking to or listening to a book or whatever it is that I'm, I'm doing with my ears. You know, this is just kind of a way to keep my hands busy. You know, yeah, I'm, as odd as that sounds, I don't mean it as an insult to the game, but no, and and I'm I'm pro abnegation games. Like I'm I'm 100 percent with you that sometimes you just want to like keep your hands busy and have something to sort of look at if you kind of care. But for some reason, a lot of these early arcade games and a lot of their modern smartphone equivalents just don't do it for me. And and I think. The the linchpin to me that linked arcade games to the most popular kind of not all hashtag not all smartphone games but like the the linchpin that linked it to me is a high quality smartphone game is probably expensive and you pay once right 
Mm-hmm. A low-quality smartphone game is exactly like an arcade game in that it is designed to suck down quarters, right? You die, there's cheap crap, there's time delays baked in, and you can pay money to make those things go away, right? Just like in the arcade, they were not incentivized for you to have a good experience. They were incentivized for you to be addicted so that you would spend more money, right? Which is why a lot of arcade games, like Rampage, when it came to the home console, sucked. Because the game wasn't fun, right? So, so like, I, I think... And I, I haven't done enough research on this that I, I can fully write my thesis here, but... There's something about a game. Well, also, if you're presenting your thesis like an hour and a half into your presentation, like that's <laughs> well, just thank you for that's, coming that's to just... my TED talk. But there's, <laughs> there, there's something about this kind of game, and th- this is really, I think, the the segue into whether or not we thought it held up is there's something about this kind of game that I just don't find enjoyable. Even though there is nothing I can point to in the game itself that is bad. Because, like, I actually wrote out a little list. Like, 100 levels and a final boss, good. Two-player co-op, good. And it actually, like, changes the way the game plays a little bit. Um, Meat, good. (laughs) You know, really, really cute, including the music, even though it's repetitive. Like, really good. Uh, If you are good at the game, you could beat the entire thing in less than 60 minutes brilliant password system with the level select like these are all fantastic design decisions and yet i personally just i wouldn't recommend this game but i would say no nostalgia goggles required like if you like this kind of game go play bubble bubble it's great yeah if you don't like this kind of game nothing about it is going to overcome the fact that you don't like this kind of game yes um, so one thing before I let you know whether, what my my rating on it is, uh, I, I I tried to come up with like oh well you know th- th- there's this cell phone game and there's this other one but I don't know why I am selling my hands with getting down and dirty trying to come up with examples when we have a whole host of listeners to do that for me. <laughs> so there you go. Do me a favor, Mar- I wish to marshal my army against this slight that all cell phone video games are this one type. Which so is please, not what I said. It's exactly what you said. So <laughs> bombard lions, hashtag not all smartphone games. Bombard him on Twitter with all of the smartphone games that are not like Bubble Bobble. Hashtag not all smartphone games. Um, <laughs> all of that being said, um, yes, no, I, I would agree with you. I don't think that you nostalgia goggles are required for this game um I, it's not and this is interesting for me because i'm in a similar boat in the fact that normally when we say no nostalgia goggles re- required is the entire game is just effusive praise the entire time like nobody eh, nobody's blown away at the end but for this one i feel that it's just it's a solid game you know it's it's really enjoyable um is it gonna blow your socks off no uh if you want to know where some of the Smash Brothers references are coming from, yeah, definitely go back and play this game. You're not going to play and be like, well, I did this thing so I could get the pop culture reference. No, it's it was really fun. It was really enjoyable. I enjoyed, you know, coming home, playing this game and, and chatting to my wife, like as I was doing it and not feeling like I was wildly distracted, especially because with the continue mechanic is if I did get wildly distracted, I mean, I could just put the controller down, th- die three times and let, let the game go, you know? Um, the cycle time is really conducive to uh, to modern gameplay. I, I I definitely think uh, no nostalgia goggles required. So if somebody said, "Would you recommend this game?" I dino might. The curtain falls. The music plays. 
The credits roll, then it all fades to black. And you're left by yourself. The fanfare is gone. There's no player two there by your side to share victories won. But as you slowly progress down the hall to your bed, a few great events leak back into your head from the time that you spent traversing the land battling evil fighting the darkness just sword in hand your memories creeping with the end of a smile you realize again what you've lost for a while you're gonna think back on how you saved the day Then on all the experience gained At the end of it all Gamers play what we play Now for game over But rather for what we Rise!